James Dent, you probably haven't heard of that name, but he wrote a lot of stuff and a lot of his stuff appeared in the Reader's Digest when it was alive and well. And uh, he, he's a humorist, somewhat liberal in his take on things. He's now deceased. He actually graduated from the same high school that I did, but 12 years earlier. He once said this, A perfect summer day is when the sun is shining, the breeze is blowing, the birds are singing, and the lawnmower is broken. <laughs> now, it does not get any better than that, unless, of course, you have something broken on the inside. I am referring here to a disturbance of the soul. It doesn't make any difference the conditions on the outside if the conditions on the inside are broken. I am referring to something that robs the soul of its peace. Again, it makes no difference if the birds are singing and the lawnmower is broken. If you have no peace to enjoy the goodness of life, such as a perfect summer day. One of the most prolific robbers of one's peace is what I'm preaching on today. And what I'm preaching on today is called in the Bible envy. You know what envy is? Maybe. We'll see. Aristotle, the great Greek philosopher in ancient times, said that envy is pain at the, at the good fortune of others. Envy is pain at the good fortune of others. Adam Smith, the 18th century Scottish philosopher and economist, put it this way, and his language is kind of stilted, so you'll have to listen carefully. He said, envy is that passion which views with malignant dislike the superiority of those who are really entitled to all the superiority they possess. Now, he essentially has said the same thing as Aristotle. Envy. In this sermon today, I want you to see why envy is considered a deadly sin and why Christians must strive to overcome envy with kindness. If there is a virtue that is the opposite of envy, it is kindness. More about that a little later. First, our text is found in Genesis chapter 37, the whole chapter, even though we only had 11 verses read in the lesson. This, of course, is the story of Jacob and his sons. More to the point, it is really a story in the life of Joseph. Joseph is introduced in chapter 37, 
And all the way to the end of Genesis chapter 50, he figures as the most prominent person in that section of Genesis. And this is a story not only of a father and of a son named Joseph, but of Joseph's half-brothers who became the eponymous leaders, that is, the tribes took their names after these 12 sons, in Israel. And what we find here is a story of jealousy and envy. It is a tragic story in many respects for these brothers who found themselves, if you will, blinded by an emotion that they could not shake despite the fact of the destruction that it would cause them. All of these brothers, in one sense, are older than Joseph. Joseph is only 17 years of age at the time of this incident. There must have been a need for these brothers to take their cattle or, or their herds, sheep and goats, no cattle that I know of, sheep and goats, and to take them pretty distant from Hebron, where Jacob and Joseph and the twelve lived. They actually took them about 50 miles away because the grazing was better. And they took them to Shechem and ended up in Dothan, another 15 miles away. So they are pretty far distant from their homes. Uh, that's what you do when you need grass for grazing. And so Jacob calls his young son in, 17, who is the most beloved by his father, and yes, even at this point, the most despised by his brothers. And he says to Joseph, will you go and check on my sons and see how things are with them? This must have taken, I don't know, three or four weeks. But they were not at Dothan, I mean at Shechem, so he had to continue to search and he found them in, in Dothan. And when they saw him coming from a distance, and they, they had heard his stories and his dreams, and his stories and dreams became the immediate reason for this jealousy and envy. For you see, he had had dreams, and in his dreams, his brothers were subservient to him, even his mother and father in one dream. Well, Joseph was given to dreams. In fact, he received God's word through dreams. This was his gift, as it was his father's. But they despised him for this. And so when they saw him coming, they began to plot his murder. And here he came over the hillside in that wonderful, that wonderful robe or gown that had been given to him by his father. Uh, in, in the King James, I believe, it refers to stripes, of many stripes or pieces. Actually, it was kind of like a royal robe. It did show Jacob's favoritism toward his son, and it did show Jacob's mindset in believing that his son really was a special person. And when they saw him coming, they were going to kill him. 
Well, reason through the older brother, Reuben, prevailed, and, and they decided not to kill him, but they would throw him in a pit. Reuben was going to come back later and get him out, but Reuben had to be away for some reason. Maybe he went after the other goats and sheep that had strayed away. But when he got back, his other brothers had taken Joseph out of the pit and sold him to a caravan carrying spices and um, burial spices to Egypt, and he was sold into slavery. Now that is chapter 37. That is chapter 37. But I want you to see one particular verse before I proceed further, and that is verse 11. Here is the problem. His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. Very simply, it states, his brother, his brothers were jealous of him. They were resentful of this 17-year-old. They would cut him no slack. Every time they saw him, bad emotions would well up in their soul. To Joseph's credit, he never really, in one sense, elaborated on these dreams, but he didn't have to. Because apparently Joseph is not entirely innocent. He seems to be quite a smug young man. But as far as innocence goes, in the eyes of God, he's certainly much more innocent in contributing to this whole dynamic than uh, anyone else. Now, we could preach a sermon on the relationship between Jacob and Joseph and what favoritism does in the family, but I don't really think that's what this is about. We, we could preach on how much help these brothers need emotionally, and maybe they need to go to counseling and this and that and all of that, but that wouldn't help either, and that's not what it's about. This story, in its major theme, is about the fact of God's providence who places eventually Joseph in Egypt, who does become a great ruler, and he does rise to great prominence because he had great gifts. He was smart, he was wise, and he knew how to do things. And the whole story shows that. If you read all the life of Joseph, he rises to great prominence in the Old Testament. He is a man of sterling character as he grows older and wiser in his life. But the immediate point is the matter of jealousy and envy. And that is what we want to speak to today, that matter of envy and jealousy. It is listed among the seven deadly sins and uh, as a deadly sin, we should take particular notice of it. Envy always causes a disturbance within the soul. It is an emotion, but it's more than an emotion. It is also the way we think and the way we assess things. It says something about our discernment or lack of it. But in every case, it is an emotion, and most of us always act on our emotions. Now, that is an important matter to realize. Most of us think that we make decisions based on our intellect. Well, if David Hume is right, the philosopher 
of Scottish philosopher of the 18th century. No, we really don't make most of our, emo- uh, our decisions on our intellect. Almost all of our decisions are made based on the way we feel. Now, the emotions are the least trustworthy of our faculties. They go up and down, up and down, up and down. It is very good when our intellect and reason matches our emotions. But often that's not the case. But we make our decisions more often than not based on the way we feel. Therefore, envy is an important matter for the Christian. Because when it welds itself up in you, when you feel it in your heart and your life, you are very apt to act upon it in one way or another. If you don't act in the way that these brothers of Joseph did, you will grow resentful in your heart and your life, and it will disease your soul. Let's make a distinction here, though, between jealousy and envy. The ancients really didn't make a distinction that I'm going to make. The Hebrew word for envy and jealousy is roughly the same thing. In fact, it's, it's the same thing as zeal, jealousy, and envy. And the two Greek words that I know in the New Testament that speak of envy makes no distinction between envy and jealousy and zeal. Context always discerns how the biblical translators translate the word. What's in mind here? Is it jealousy, for the most part, or is it envy? Well, let me make a distinction here that people make today, and we make it in English. We have two different words, don't we? What is the difference between jealousy and envy? Jealousy involves three people. Envy usually only involves two. Well, let's see how that works. If you are jealous, you usually are the one who is experiencing the emotion, and you're jealous over someone, and you're jealous over that person because someone else is involved, maybe for their affections or whatever. Now, this is not always wrong. Jealousy is not always wrong. God gets jealous. God is jealous over Israel. He does not want Israel to go into idolatry. So God can get jealous in one sense, just as God can hate. Hate and jealousy are not necessarily evil emotions. In certain contexts, they're called for. If you really love your wife or your husband, there may be times you get jealous. If that relationship is threatened. That is not necessarily wrong at all. And that is probably the reason that jealousy was never considered in church history as a deadly sin. Not the case with envy. Envy in its sinful form, and there are two forms. There is a kind of envy, which really is not envy where we look at some great thinker or some great scientist or some great... Uh, person in a certain field as the arts, and we, we, we say we envy them. We wish them no harm. We just simply are just amazed at their great gifts and talent. 
I, uh, in this sense, envy Hussein Bolt. Now, most of you may not know who Mr. Bolt is, but he happens to be the fastest man in the world. Maybe the fastest man ever. He can run 100 meters in such a time that it would shock you. Around nine and a half seconds, he can run 100 meters. Now, in one sense, you can say I envy that, but in, in that sense, it's just a mere compliment to him. But when the Bible is talking about envy, it is not talking about that benign compliment. It's talking about something much more insidious that eats away at your soul. And rather than looking at Hussein Bolt, you wish something would happen to him because he's so fast and he gets all of these gold medals. You wish that he would have a car accident or something maybe and would injure his foot and he couldn't run. Boy, would that make you satisfied. That's envy. Or some high person, very skilled, and you begin to despise them in your heart because of who they are and what they can do and the so-called, if you will, benefits that they've experienced in life. You can envy in that way. Now, this is a problem in biblical history over and over again. It seems that the children of Israel were troubled that the nations around them seems to prosper. And we find in the Proverbs and in the Psalms that envy not the evildoer. Don't fret yourself over them. And don't fret yourself or become envious over those who experience great achievement. This is the kind of attitude and emotion that can rinse your soul in a knot. And let me talk just a bit about this. There is no question that you can experience both jealousy and emotion at the same time. Jealousy can be destructive as well as envy. But envy clearly involves two people, the one who envies and the person you envy. Now let's look at this just for a moment. What happens when you experience envy? Well, I think the Germans have a wonderful word. They, they must have a lot of enviers in Germany. They have a wonderful word that I like to use. And uh, it's a uh, schadenfreude. It's, it's a word that means to rejoice over the, if you will, the misfortunes of another. Have you ever rejoiced over the misfortunes of another? Have you? Have you ever looked at someone maybe who was kind of high up in things and they got their comeuppance and you said in your heart, good for them? They deserve that. Well, sometimes in, uh, in the day of judgment, that may be true. But to have this kind of thing, to rejoice over the misfortune of others, this is a much more prominent emotion than most people realize. And you can tell because it builds within you resentment toward another person. Maybe they have something that you don't have or they can do something that you can't do. Or they've been placed in life in a fortunate situation and you haven't been. Politicians exploit this emotion, don't they? 
They appeal to envy. They appeal rather to our base nature rather than our highest part of our nature. And try to set one group against another. That's envy. Now, Paul does say in a place in the New Testament, he says that some preach Christ out of envy. And he doesn't disapprove. But let me say, those preachers were not preaching envy. They were preaching as a motivation from envy. And Paul's only compliment there was that they're preaching the gospel. Praise be to God. You know, Balaam's ass quoted the word of the Lord. And, and that, that donkey could be commended in one sense. In that sense, Paul is only saying, praise be to God that the gospel is being gotten out. But he would never praise if someone were actually preaching envy and division. It hurts in our national life to do this. If it hurts the individual, it also hurts the body corporate. We must be careful how we approach and relate to other people. You see, we can destroy ourselves and not know it. Not realize the consequences. Do you think, do you think Joseph's brothers really understood the peril they were in? Do you really think they understood the peril they were in? Joseph went on to Egypt. He was enslaved, wrongly. And he had to serve many years in a dark cell. He eventually, though, through his own gifts and talent, interpretation of dreams, rose to great power to the second place in Egypt. There came a famine in Israel and in Egypt, but Joseph had been placed over everything, and for seven years he built up the grain stores of Egypt, and Egypt ended up having foodstuff when the nations around them didn't, and they were going to Egypt to buy grain. Joseph's brothers came and appeared before him, and they got a keen lesson when they found out who Joseph was. To Joseph's credit, he did not punish them, but broke down and wept tears and forgave them for what they had done to him. Now, let me say what, why envy is so devastating. I want you to stay with me just for a minute. Why envy is so devastating. Envy is deadly because it is blinding. It blinds you. Envy is devastating because it blinds you. It doesn't make any difference if the sun is out and the birds are singing. It doesn't make any difference. The outward conditions because envy in its worst forms, actually blinds you totally to another person's worth and value and also to the beauty of life. Envy is a blinder. Now, why does it blind? Well, because, if you will, it causes you to see things in the wrong way. It never lets you get at real reality. You are so distorted in your own emotional life and being that you distort things outside of you.
You've heard of transference, have you? Haven't you? Sometimes the cause of transference or projecting on another person some very bad traits that maybe you possess is because you are resentful of them. It takes away your judgment. You don't see things aright. When Dante was dealing with those who were envious, he puts them in, of course, in the inferno, in hell, but they are blinded. They're unable to see the beauty of a person or the beauty of life. They're never able to see God's goodness and God's blessing because they envy others. Now, what is the antidote? The antidote is kindness. Let me talk about kindness for a moment. The antidote to envy is kindness. It is because of the kindness of God, of course, that we are saved. Jesus took pity upon the crowds. He felt compassion toward them and kindness toward them. What makes Jesus go after the one lost sheep? What makes him, if you will, stop and deal with the Syrophoenician woman? The woman, as the King James Bible says, with the issue of blood. What makes him stop? What makes him stop and consider blind Bartimaeus? It is the kindness in his heart. It is the compassion in his heart that lets him see the true needs of another person. He does not look at them as a throwaway or of no consequence. What enables Jesus to come and to seek and to save the lost? Is it not the goodness and kindness of God Almighty? And notice that kindness in the New Testament is also a fruit of the Spirit. A fruit of the Spirit that we are to, if you will, cultivate in our lives. Would you deal with those feelings of envy? My friend, you must cultivate kindness. You must cultivate kindness. Just as in the face of pride, we must cultivate humility. In the face of envy and jealousy, we must cultivate kindness. These brothers of Joseph experienced a man of no guile when he looked upon his brothers and wept and forgave them. The Christian life, we are called to put some things to death in our life because they are a threat to our souls. One of the things the Christian must put to death is envy. And one of the things that we must put in its place is kindness. Joseph was a wonderful man. There is no question about it. Maybe at 17 years of age, you see the callowness, the, 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 the callow thoughts of a youth, and maybe he wasn't as circumspect as he could be. But in the Old Testament, there is no greater person as far as character is concerned than the person of Joseph. Somewhere along the line through his hardships and struggles in life, he learned what kindness was. And praise be to God, there was no envy in his heart. Amen.